Good morning. I will say we are so excited because I am nine months pregnant and I feel it. (laughs) Uh, Yes, so we are so excited to be up here and I'm excited to bring today's word. But before we dive in, will you please pray with me? God, you are so gracious, abounding in care for all the things that you have created. Help us now to read your word, to have it reach to our hearts so we may better fulfill your call of love and to love. I ask that your spirit use my words, however small that they are, and use them for your glory. May they be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So how many readers do we have here in our congregation? Raise your hand. Don't be shy. Don't worry. I'm not going to pick on you. If you're the kind of person that loves to read, it doesn't matter what it is, ingredient lists, recipes, raise your hand still if you stay up in the night or maybe in the wee hours of the morning just to get a few more pages in just to know how that character died or if that hero finally triumphed over that dragon, whatever it is. If you have a favorite story that you keep coming back to, like Belle from Beauty and the Beast, that she keeps reading the same story, reading it over, even if you've read it almost a million times, is your favorite? Okay, hands down, which I noticed all of hands are down. So most of you know that I came from a large family. I have seven siblings. We can talk about that later. Uh, but most of you do not know I came from a household full of avid readers. I could find my parents reading almost anything and everything, whether that be the newspaper, and that was our Sunday mornings, was my parents would sit together and read the paper quietly, so trying to tell all the children, be quiet, we're reading the paper. For my dad, it was a Tom Clancy book. For my mom, it was another book of British royalty or Jacqueline Kennedy. For my paternal grandmother, it was Gone with the Wind, and she read it almost every week. That was her favorite book. And for my oldest brother, it was the Chronicles of Narnia, especially The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. For me, I love to read a variety of things, from the short tale of Corduroy, the little bear that's trying to find another button, and to the fantastical series of Harry Potter. I was a big Harry Potter fan. I'm a Hufflepuff, by the way. We can also talk about that later. Some of you, as I'm talking, may be reminiscing about the childhood books that you've read or the things that you love to read. So today I brought in a favorite of many. This is actually my child's, uh, this is mine, and her copy, his copy. So, yes, Green Eggs and Ham by Dr. Seuss. This is a favorite of many. And this silly book focuses on a grumpy character who goes unnamed, who hates, better yet, abhors green eggs and ham. And his tiny friend Sam offers him this plate in a variety of places, on a train, on a boat, with a goat, and all kinds of things. And this grumpy character refuses. I do not like green eggs and ham, Sam I am, he cries, until until he's given an opportunity to try them. Hence our picture. Look at all that dismay. When thinking about our last section of Jonah, which is where we're ending today in our series, this is the image I think of. I see Jonah staring down at Nineveh as this character looks pitifully dismayed at the very thought of eating green eggs 
and ham. Last week, Pastor Daryl preached on the first three verses of chapter 4. And so we're going to finish up that, that chapter, picking up at verse 4 and concluding. So the text will be on the screen and in your Bibles, but I'll also read it aloud. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die. And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant. Though you did not tend to it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell from their right hand, from their left, and so many animals. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For the past few weeks, we've been working through the book of Jonah, as short as it is. And really, it is that short. It's only four chapters. And we have been seeing that this is a more complex story. Some of us may have recalled the book of Jonah when we first started as a story we learned in children's ministry. Or maybe in VBS. Maybe it was a VBS theme at one time in our childhoods. Some of us grew up watching the VeggieTale version on television It is here we see in God's response that Jonah's more than just a story about some guy getting eaten by a great fish or a whale. It's so much more. The story of Jonah shows us that the care and the concern that God has for all people, even if we don't like it. Our text begins with God speaking to Jonah. So we're interrupting a conversation that's already started. It's not the typical... Thus saith the Lord to Jonah. We're just entering in, in the midst. And Jonah is very angry. He's perturbed. He's angry at the lack of judgment that God has not shown to Nineveh. He's so angry that God hasn't smited these people. But God doesn't approach Jonah's anger with anger. He doesn't fight anger with anger. He does something different. Instead, God says, is it right for you to be angry? So I went deeper into the text, and it's better translated. God asks, are you happy to be filled with this kind of rage? Does it bring you satisfaction to be this wrathful? Ooh, ouch. That's a, that's a deep question. But this sermon's not about anger. We're not going to go there. Anger's good in some places, but we're not going to go there. When I read this, I saw how God is so concerned for Jonah's heart and how much he cared for Jonah. This rage that Jonah has experienced is more than this grumpy character who hates green eggs and ham. Jonah wanted justice on his terms. 
And God cared enough to ask about his heart. Jonah wanted to smite these people, and God said, let's check your heart. We have concerns. All of us in our room, all of us in this room, we all have concerns. We all have things that make us worried or even lay close to our heart. And I'm not talking about the pet peeves. I'm not talking about the way our spouses may fold the kitchen towels. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about the things that we're deeply concerned about, the things that we're passionate about, the things that bring us life. And when these things are put at risk, or we feel that are neglected by other people or not as you know bothersome to other people, we can be filled with anger. We can be filled with rage even. We feel personally wronged when we feel that others don't care and when it seems even God doesn't care about our concerns. Like in our New Testament reading that Portia read, which is my favorite New Testament reading, by the way, It can feel like God is sleeping at the stern and we're asking, don't you even care? Don't you care? It can feel that God is apathetic when our concerns are not being met, especially by our own standards. And this isn't to say that having concerns are bad. That's just part of our human experience. It's not to say that the things we worry about are bad. But we see with Jonah that sometimes our concerns... And the emotions we have towards them can be misguided. And they can be reacted upon poorly. As we read, Jonah doesn't respond right away to God. He responds by going off onto a hill, throwing a little hissy fit, and sits. His response was loud and clear as he sauntered off full of anger and smite and just grumpy. And decided to watch the city of Nineveh from afar in a booth, or also known as the Sakah, which is brought up in the Old Testament as the Israelites would build up booths during the Temple of Booths to memorize their time in the wilderness. And he sits there in his booth, all grumpy, ready to watch God's judgment finally come on these Ninevites, just to see, is God really going to be merciful, or did they really repent I can imagine this scene going a little bit like a Dr. Seuss moment. I do not like Nineveh, God I am. I abhor them all, no matter where I stand. Thanks be to God that God's concern and care is more persistent than Sam I am. And I think we all can agree, Sam I am gets a little annoying. But God is so persistent. And God provides this prophetic act. And it's such a twist on the ways that we read other prophets. Because usually prophets would be the one acting upon something. But God does all the work. To show Jonah that he again has deep care and concern for everybody. Even Jonah. So God provides again through nature. Only this time it's not as dramatic As this great big fish eating him. It's not a storm. God provides little things through nature to get Jonah's attention. It's shade from a plant to cover Jonah's head. From the scorching sun and all its heat and he feels cool. And then a worm comes and eats it away. And a wind that only exasperates the sun's heat on his head again. And it may seem God is punishing Jonah for being angry. And maybe some of us think 
Rightfully so. Anger's bad. He should be punished. Bad Jonah. Hold on. Hold on. There's more here. Hold on. I don't think God's punishing Jonah. I don't think so. I think he's just trying to get his attention. I don't think God is even upset with Jonah's anger. I don't think he's even offended by it. I think that God in this moment is desperately trying to communicate to Jonah that God is merciful. God is compassionate and God cares deeply. And God's compassion goes to everyone. Not just to Jonah. Not just to the Jewish people. Not just to Jesus' disciples eventually. Not just to the insiders. And not just to the church. Everyone. Everyone receives God's utmost care and concern, even if we are not concerned about them. I'm going to repeat that one more time. Everyone receives God's care and concern, even if we're not concerned about them. And God points out this to Jonah. His anger in of itself is not the problem. His concern for the plant is not necessarily wrong. But both are misguided. Both show that Jonah lacks a compassionate heart and a concern for others. He's more concerned about himself and his anger isn't in the right place. It's not being used for the right thing. He only cares for himself and sees himself and his own people as worthy of God's concern. And when Ninevites, enemies, people who are not of the people of God receive God's care and concern, he's angry. Jonah would rather die than live knowing that others, his enemies, receive just as much care as he does. He'd rather die. Actually, it says that he says this would be good for him to die, which this word is repeated in Genesis 1 when God said, and this was good. He's repeating almost this sense of creation, be better for me to die. If Jonah were a god... Even a small God. He would be capricious. He would be terrible. And I'm so glad he's not. He would be ill-compassionate. Even to those who repented. And he would care more about his concerns. And he would never show mercy. Even to those who really needed it. Jonah would not be a good God. But thanks be to God. That God himself does not operate in this way. Jonah's disdain rage, anger, whatever you want to call it towards Nineveh, is no different than what we experience at times. Some of us are shocked, sometimes even angered by the idea that God cares just as much about our so-called enemies as God cares about us and our need for mercy. Sometimes it does rile us up a little bit, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe God actually loves that person. Oh, no. How can God care so much about for such and such group? Or this and this person. How could God do that? What about me? What about me? What about my people? What about my family? I don't like green eggs and ham. God I am. Doesn't that mean that God hates them too? God shows Jonah that God cares for everyone. Even the unimaginable. And if Jonah can care about a plant. A plant that God provided. A plant that God created how much more how much more it's a hebrew idiom how much more does god care for those who jonah would easily wipe away from history if god can provide a plant and jonah care about how much more can god care for people that jonah didn't care anything about
In God's closing remarks to Jonah, God uses a word that means to pity or to have concern for. That he's been concerned about the wrong things. But what's not stated in this word is the emotion. It means to have so much concern for, it brings tears to your eyes. So God asked Jonah, if you have so much concern, how much more concern? And it's tears in God's eyes. If Jonah can be upset about a plant being eaten away and the scorching wind toasting his head, how much more does God tear up about the thought of Nineveh who needs mercy? If Nineveh is a great city, which that word great is repeated 14 times in this one book. It's pretty interesting. If Nineveh is a great city, how much greater is God's care and compassion? If Nineveh is a great city, if this fish is great, if the squall was great, if all these things are great, how much greater is God? In the end, it's not Jonah's anger that's the problem. It's not even his hatred towards the Ninevites. He's not apathetic. I will give him credit for that. He's not completely indifferent to these people. Jonah's story reminds us that God cares so deeply for us and our concerns. God searches and knows our hearts, and he cares about the things that we hold dear. God says, I care for you, and I care about the things that you care about. As we read in our New Testament uh, text, The disciples ask, Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? And I always want to yell out, yes, of course, of course Jesus cares. It's a silly question. But is it? Is it a silly question? I know I ask the same thing, especially when I feel like my concerns are being pushed aside. When it feels like someone else's concerns are being heard, that can be kind of hurtful towards us. God shows that God cares for us through Jonah's story. And God cares deeply about our neighbors and our enemies and all the created things. Better yet, Jonah's story teaches us that God says that we're worthy of concern. We are worthy of concern because God says so. Because we are created in God's image, because God created us, God says we're worthy of his concern. But that also means if our concerns were cared about by God, then our fellow God-created human beings are also worthy. That our enemies are also worthy of being cared for. Jonah challenges us to see that God's grace reaches beyond our comfortability. God gives mercy to whom God wants to give mercy. God likes green eggs and ham. And we have the opportunity to see that maybe they're not so bad. Maybe if we just gave them a shot, we might actually like them. Actually, we might even love them. We might like the green eggs and ham in our life. If given the opportunity to see that it was worth our concern and our care. So as we close Jonah, we're finished with Jonah. We think about all the stories we've heard throughout our life, whether that be Corduroy or Harry Potter or Gone with the Wind. I hope we can remember Jonah's story is so much more than just some guy who got eaten by a big whale. Though that is a really cool part of the story. 
And it's more than just about the city of Nineveh. That was a great city at one time. I hope we can remember that it's really about God's compassion. It's really about God's mercy and how much greater it is than anybody's anger. That it's so much greater than a big city and it's greater than a big fish and it's greater than a worm eating away a plant. That it's greater than our concerns and it's greater than misguided anger. God's care and concern is greater and goes out to all, all people. And that's what makes us worthy. Let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are, that you're not capricious, you're not completely indifferent to us, but rather you look at us and you put us a little lower than the angels and you care for us. You know the hairs on our heads and you know us by name and you also care about the things that we care about. But God, you also know that our anger and sometimes our passions need to be better directed, not towards our enemies, but rather to have justice and peace for them and to show care and concern for them as you do so guide us as you would to love them and to care for them and show your compassion we pray this in jesus name amen